Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, October 20th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello, and congratulations, Cleveland Indians. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen, USA Today Sports. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And um, it's brought to you by listeners like you at Patreon.com slash hockey. And we haven't done something for you guys in a while, but we are. I have something really fun to talk about that I'm going to talk about later that we're going to do for you guys, especially the, the viewers, um, now that we know how to do private shows. So we won't be doing one tomorrow, but we'll be doing one next week, and we're going to do something else with all the, with all the, all the um, supporters as well. Um, I'm going to be calling them each individually and doing my own little call with them on, um, on Skype or Google Hangouts just to, just to say thanks. I really appreciate what you've been doing, and it's really cool. So, so check, check out patreon.com slash hockey and uh, go, go and visit us there, and you can just give a buck or whatever, or you know, whatever you can give. Awesome. just helps out a lot. And I'll, I'll, I will bring the Necos tonight. Might as well. I'll eat <laughs> a package for you right here. I'm going to bring it with me to the hockey game. All right. So let's get down to it. Um, and before we get to tonight, which is um, – the Flyers, believe it or not, haven't played a home game yet this year, so they're they're opening their seasons. There's, I think they might be the last team to open their season tonight. Um, Seems like they are, yeah. I mean, it's a week. It's a week, you know, and what eight days after the rest of the season open. Um, so, but before we get into that, I wanted to get into last night's game because I mean, there were actually two really interesting games last night, despite the fact there were only two games. Both were both were good. <laughs> I mean, both were good games. Um, and the first one we should have to start with would be um, the uh, the Detroit Rangers game, which you were at, right, Russ? I was no, I wasn't at it. I oh, you weren't at this one. Okay, um, this was uh, I mean, this was the Jimmy Howard show last night. I mean, Jimmy Howard looked fantastic in that game. He did look great. Although I think the Rangers aided him just a little bit with some of their shot selection, but he was great. And but again, I don't, I don't know why everybody's like so shocked that Jimmy Howard could still play goal. I just think he's had this little bit of an up and down wave because he's had some competition with Morozik. But it, I've always liked Jimmy Howard as a goalie, and he's just not a superstar goalie. But he's a very good goalie. No, oh, yeah, no. I mean, in last night he was fantastic. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I I think the difficulty is is I, I even though Jimmy Howard does not agree with this assessment, it, it appears he's had a crisis of confidence for the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's really been sort of fighting it, and I think having the competition has just sort of planted some self doubt in him. But he he was spectacular, and I, I, I thought the Rangers played a terrific game last night, and I would disagree a little bit with Russ, only in that I, I thought they put a lot of pressure on him, um, and I just think that he, he just measured up. Like, there was no reason for the Red Wings to win that game other than the Jimmy Howard. Like, if I'm the Rangers coach, I, I just go in and just raise my hands and say, guys, you played well enough to win, but we ran into a hot goalie, and if we play that well the next game, we're going to you know, we're going to win because they really did. I mean, yeah. There was a couple of things, Kevin. It's minor. You're right. But, like, the five-on-three, they the Rangers were just awful on the five-on-three. Yeah. That was, that was, like, to me, that was the big part of the game. But even the two shorthanded breakaways, 
There's a reason why Michael Grabner has one goal this year on breakaways and will probably get 15 more and maybe get one other goal because he just can't bury it on the breakaway. And Rick Nash, same thing. I just felt like on those situations, they made it easy, but Howard stole enough goals. Don't get me wrong. He did. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's why Grabner is not a frontline player is that, yeah. you know, he doesn't convert chances like that. If, you know, if, and there are a lot of guys like that. Uh, Darren Helm on the Detroit Red Wings, who has tremendous speed, gets a lot of breakaways, but he's not, he, his hands, you know, don't measure up to his speed. Chris Draper was like that for many, many years. You know, there was always a running joke sometimes uh, uh, with when Draper uh, would get a breakaway. Somebody would say, uh, Draper on a breakaway, we'll be right back after this commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I said last year that the, the safest lead for the opposition was a one-goal lead with Michael Grabner on a breakaway because he had about two dozen in Toronto last year, and I think he maybe scored twice. So, I mean, he, I, this is a guy who scored over 30 goals in the league, and it's shocking that he just doesn't have the finish anymore, but he doesn't. No, but and but I think the Rangers have been very, very impressive. Um, the speed uh, has, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's really not their their uh, skating speed as much as their, their speed of play. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what it's all about. I, I thought Stepan's uh, a comment this week saying about that uh, – um, speed wasn't one of the priorities. It was the priority, and um, that's pretty clear by the the players they signed in the off season and by the way they're playing now. And you know, I think it sort of covers up uh, whatever level of def uh, defensive deficiency that you might have. I mean, uh, that was true last season with the Penguins. Like everybody talked about their speed, but they always talked about it in terms of their offensive ability. But it was really the speed they used defensively that made the difference in the postseason. I mean, that's – Barry Trotz said that, John Cooper said that, and DeBoer said that after their teams lost to the Penguins, that they could never get their offense moving because the Penguins were always on them, and they were just quick to react to when they got the puck, and it was disruptive. And I think there are a lot of teams copying that, which is why – this is my theory on why goal scoring is up a little bit right now, that everybody's cranked up their – their speed of play, and the, with the idea, and it's been disruptive. There's been more turnovers. That's that's just my theory on that. Yeah, and, and a lot and a lot more pinching, uh, Kevin, because I saw it in the in the Toronto Winnipeg game, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, two of Toronto's goals in the first period were Connor Carrick and Mar Morgan Riley pinching in deep into Winnipeg territory and create either scoring the goal or creating the chance that scored the goal. So I think. Most NHL coaches now are saying, press the attack, press the attack, press the attack. Yeah, I think it's mostly that, but I also think that if you go and look at teams, it's hard to find teams, a lot of teams or the majority, that have three to four really top-notch defensemen. Most teams don't. Right. Yeah. The, other, must... the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is you remember we had this conversation at the start of last year. One of my theories was that what we should do, uh, why I didn't understand why what teams weren't doing was taking the best available players in their minor league team and turn them into your fourth line as opposed to the grinders and so forth. Yes, I remember and, that. And what are we seeing this year? That. You know, we're seeing fourth lines with guys like Grabner on them. Yep. <laughs> we're seeing, you know, uh, fourth lines that are supposed to produce some scoring now, and they're going for a lot more quickness. I, I think, you know, and it, it is the kind of the way you're going. And the league is a very trendy league, and, you know, when uh, teams won with big goalies, everybody wanted a giant man and and that. And um, you know, when they've they did the neutral zone trap, everybody suddenly 
became more defensive oriented and because the penguins are so successful using speed that's what everybody's doing just as you know Russ said or excuse me that Mike said that you know they're pinching in while well, they're using their quickest to get in on you you know as quickly as possible and attack yeah no that's really it's and I what I've noticed is is a, is a tendency for players to want to get their stick on everything um like a real quick quick taps are happening a lot like where you have a good you know where pucks are going through the neutral zone um, or, you know, or pucks right along the boards and they're getting their stick on and they're making that extra little lunge towards it. You're seeing that a lot. You're seeing quick moves. A lot of the speed of the game comes with the simplicity, sim- making the game simpler in a lot of ways, right? Because guys are making the first pass they see all the time. Guys aren't looking off players. There's a lot of quickness that's happening that way. And um, I agree. I mean, I think that it makes for good. It makes for good hockey. I mean, these games are exciting. I like no one. No one should be, you know, sad that we're having more scoring, right? Well, I, mean, I don't think anybody's is- upset about it. Scoring is up, and that's and that's good. And, and and I've checked out, you know, the last few seasons. Scoring is usually up in the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, you know, that is something that we see a lot of more energy coming out. I think. If I'm, oh, also, if I'm before coaches figure out how to take it away. <laughs> right. yeah, no, that, that's right. Oh, the other thing that's interesting too, um, just along those same lines, there's so much discussion in recent years about advanced statistics, and of course, you know, puck possession measured on shot attempts. And uh, everyone has brought up that Barry Trotz is the first uh, guy, and I think actually McClellan, the general manager, did um, as well, that, you know, some guys are taking shots now from center ice because, you know, the theory being that, you know, there's shot attempts, they just want them to go up so they look better in advance. (laughs) I I would say that Barry was not the first coach. Uh, I remember Mike Babcock saying uh, over a year ago, talking about the fact that, you know, he doesn't buy in to everything about advanced stats because oftentimes when guys make a shot attempt, he thinks it was the wrong decision. <laughs> that, you know, he thinks guys shouldn't be shooting yeah. at times <laughs> when they did shoot. So he said, you know, everyone talks as if a shot attempt is always a positive, and I'm here to tell you that it's in my book it is, it is not. There are times yeah. when players should not be shooting that they are. Oh, completely and, agree. And I, I guess the question I wanted to throw out to you guys before we get to the Toronto-Winnipeg mm-hmm. uh, game uh, is that, you know, uh, can advanced stats sort of get in the way? Could it sort of change the way everybody starts to look at it? Because young kids are reading this too, so now all of a sudden they're going to believe that the, the means to being a successful hockey player is to maybe have a shot attempt. It's, it's Yeah, different. I think it does. I, I think it really – and I, I think you're going to see it over the years and you're going to see it grow. I mean, we're seeing, I was talking to somebody about this the other day and this, they also said, this is the reason they think the offense is up and this could be true too, is we're seeing the first, you know, group of players come through that have never really had to deal with the two line pass. You know, that's something that, that was, that's you know, fair. which is something that, you know, at the, it was always at the youth hockey level. And then, you know, now these kids have grown up without it. So right. the whole idea of stretch passes, you know, for younger kids. But, and I think that now I think along those lines, we have what you're talking about, Kevin, which is, the analytics and there are apps now on your on your iPhone that help, can help you as a youth hockey coach do analytics, you know, and they're really so you're going to see analytics being done all the way down to the youth hockey level. You know, you're going to see it. It's very I mean, they're really simple apps. Um, I have one that I use for the soccer for our soccer team. And all it is is you've got you know, you've got their team and your team. Every time your team touches the touches the ball, we'll say because it's soccer, but you can say you can use it for puck the same way. Every time your team touches the ball, you hit this button. Hit the, every time the other team t- touches, you hit this button. And all by just doing that, just that simple that simple concept, you can get the amount of p- your your pass completion percentages. You can get the time of the time you had the puck. You can I mean you can get 
your amount of giveaways. You can get amount, you can get the strings of passes that you've connected together from like two or three string passes together just by doing that. But here's the thing. For every analytic that you can come up with, you can come up with the real life yang of it. And so like possession numbers, right? Like Alex Kovalev would have been like, especially in 94, probably the top possession guy in the league, but he couldn't bury it. And at the end of the day, you still have to put the puck in the net. Teams that cycle, you could see that they're holding on to the puck. Like, if you give me team possession numbers, I like that better than singular player possession numbers because those, to me, are more about matchups. Who's on the ice? How are they doing it? Did they just slow down the play? Are they trying to just, you know I mean? Because, again, at the end of the day, you still have to score. And, and that's the thing about it. And so a lot of times these advanced stats look great, but you have to score. I, I just hope that you know, some NHL teams who are bringing analytics in there are not becoming a slave to them. It's a good to have them as a, as a tool. It's good to have a balance. But I think there's still room for looking at a player, looking at how he plays, looking at how he hustles, and the stats be damned. I talk, it's funny, Mike. I talked to somebody about this exact thing you're saying. Um, on a team, um, you know, not too long ago, actually in Canada at the World Cup, and it was, a, it was a team guy, and I talked to him, and I said, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, are you taking them really seriously? Are you t- do you think – where do you think you stop taking them with the statistics? Where do you take – and he said to me, which I think is so funny because I've heard it said before, is he says, well, how I look at advanced stats are this. If they prove what I'm trying to say to the team, I'll use them. <laughs> if they prove what I want if to – if, if I can sit and find an advanced stat – that proves what I'm trying to say. I'll use that all the time because people. It, it gives me another another way of you know of proving to these guys that some, that something's actually happening. He said, but if I'm seeing something that the advanced stats aren't saying, I won't use them. I, I I don't think there's any team that actually uses advanced stats in as a you know exclusively for evaluating players. I mean, I I think it, you know like. Um, let, let me just use uh, you know Ken Holland of the Detroit Red Wings as an example because I know um, how he does things and you know before he makes any decision like he's a guy who's ultimately responsible for uh, you know every decision made by the Red Wings but before he does that he has his war council who he calls everybody in they sit around a table everybody talks about you know what they think they should do and then he uses all that information and then he makes his final decision well I think advanced statistics are just another thing he uses before he makes his decision and I think that's what everyone's doing like pretty much everybody now has hired somebody who's in charge of advanced stats even if it isn't an official advanced stat guy and and their job is is to supply supportive information and I think they all kind of do that but yeah I don't know that there's anybody um, that uh, just utilizes uh, advanced stats you know it's no different than uh, if you just took uh, I'd love to to, to see if this was true but Mm -hmm. you know there's now so many scouting reports if you took uh, advanced uh, you took all the scouting reports and just uh, and used central scouting and just sort of averaged them could you draft and draft well? I think probably you could. Now, is that the best way to do it? Well, of course not. <laughs> right, right. But, but, but I think that if you had to, like if they just threw, we created a Team Nova Scotia, and they put the four of us in charge of this, but they didn't allow us to go out and look at any players, right. that we could take the available information and make an educated stab, and just our knowledge of, of uh, you know the size factor and where they played, you know we could do that. You know anybody could. Yeah. You know 
Now, again, that's not the best way to do it, but it, but it could be done, and I, I think that's what sort of plays into it. I mean, it's the blind squirrel. I, I'll tell you what works into that. You are then taking out good biases and bad biases. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times it's the biases that make the pick the difference as to who the experts or even like essential scouting thinks is on a sheet as opposed to what I think. Now, you know, as an example, the Winnipeg Jets with Mark Shifley, they went against like central scouting and most everybody else and they're winning that one. So like, you know, yeah. that, that is a good argument. The, the analytics argument, I always go back to Benoit Pouillat and I just looked it up. He is still yet to ever score 20 goals in his professional career. That's AHL included. He's never gotten above 19. He's an analytics darling. But as he's got continued to move on here and get paid, like last year he had 14 goals. Now he has one in four games. He is still yet to ever score 20 goals. Yeah. Let's just say the five, the problem with analytics are the analytics people. Okay. Um, and, 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 and I'm just throwing the, and I'm not trying to rip on the analytics people, but what I'm, I love the fact that they've done it. And I myself am a total math geek as Russ has pointed out many times. Yeah. And I love math. My wife's a math, a even user math geek. I have all my life. Tried to, I've all my life tried to come up with ways of statistically saying the kinds of things that they're saying. And the, and it, with this, I love, so I should, I should love analytics like no one's business. Right. Cause this is totally up my alley. But what I, what I can't stand is the fact that math geeks believe that math is perfect, right? So math geeks are the ones who come up with analytics, and math is flawless. Okay? And math is flawless. Math is, is a universal language that they're, you know, it's either right or wrong. There's no in between. That's what, how it goes, right? So they, they take these analytics, and they put them together, and they are coming up with flawless statistics, which are actually flawless in terms of they are what they are, and there's no, there's no opinion involved in them. They are just what they are, and that's the thing. But – the, but then they sit behind them as if they are like, you know, the Pythagorean theorem. And they're like, this is this is exactly this is the only way this could possibly work. And that this player is absolutely awesome because these stats say so. And then they don't just use it as a tool. They they fight for it because they, they grew up as math geeks and they the just, math is perfect. Just just like how Moneyball is not perfect in baseball, the analytics analysis in 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 the NHL is not perfect. I mean, in, in, in Moneyball, you know, it's 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 throwing away outs to sacrifice. It's it's bad to steal bases. But those are integral parts of the game. Right. Sometimes right. you right. win games when you steal bases and when you sacrifice. The Canucks aren't winning games with math. That's for sure. <laughs> right. And anyone who's ever seen a team pulling their goalie and throwing pucks at the net with 30 seconds left can tell you that hockey is not a perfect science. I right. mean, this is – that whether these goals, whether they tie a game or not, is not does not come down to perfection. It comes down to who skated hit last on the way to the net and where which way it went. I mean, there's there's so much randomness in this sport, which is the wonderful part of this sport. Yeah, that, yeah. I, mean, I, I to me, like I've never really even the I know a lot of advanced stats guys, and none of them really push it to the extent that that's the only way to do things. Right. You know, most, I, yeah. most, of them, most of them sort of get that there's, I mean, and Russ knows this, is such a baseball fan, he knows this. Not all 300 hitters are created equal. Right. Like, right. We, I mean, we can look at 300 hitters, <laughs> and if you're a real baseball fan, there are just some 300 hitters that you want more than others. And right. the strength of advanced stance for me, and I, I happen to like them, is that you know I've I've grown to the point where I think they're fun. They is fun. it helps helps you identify players who are maybe doing more than you think they are, even if they're not scoring. Like Pouliot is not a twenty goal scorer, like Russ was talking about, 
But advanced stats has has made the point and helped people realize that hey, he has some value because when he's on the ice, because we can now quantify no matter who he plays with, things go better for the team. Now that doesn't make him a superstar player. That just means hey, everybody, take notice that Pouliot has more value than his numbers suggest because you know we're we seem to be in charge more. So I mean that's all. I mean it doesn't. But that's where that's where analytics drives me nuts, Kevin, is because I see a player who I clearly think is average or below average at best, but his his possession numbers or you know PDO or whatever are you know I'm just using this as a broad example. They're great, so analytics people think that this player is good when the eye test tells me this guy is not good. No, so. no but they don't they don't actually say that. All they're saying is is that he's sort of better than you you think he is like yeah. I you know numbers don't show whether a player is good or not it just shows you that when he's out there no matter you know and the way they break it down I really like that um, that they break it down to by who you're playing with you know it, it like it you know it, it, it matters and yeah. they can sort of show that a guy no matter who he plays with his numbers are always good that the team always performs better but I, I don't dispute what Mike is saying. One of my favorite all-time um, uh, situations when I was talking about advanced stats with a coach came with Peter Laviolette, and we were talking about it at the time. Shea Weber's uh, advanced stats, his possession numbers were awful, and it showed essentially. And you know, the problem is the statistics do not lie that right. he was performing better when he was off the ice than when he was on the ice. I mean, <laughs> it just, it just you know, showed now. There are a lot of factors, as we all know, to go into that. You know, Weber plays only against the best players. He's never out there against the fourth line. He's always out there against the first line. Right. You know, there's a lot of those factors. And Peter Laviolette was talking to me about him. He goes, you know, the amazing thing is, he says, you know, I kind of like advanced stats, and I pay a lot of attention to them, and I've seen the stats that say that, you know, Shea Weber isn't as productive as you know, as maybe we think he is, and I read him, and I look at him, and I analyze him. But he said, you know, if we're up by a goal <laughs> with a minute to go, I'm still going to put Shea Weber on. <laughs> so, right, that would never that's stop. What, that's what Mike is saying. You know, the eye test. Well, this and, is and Shea Weber's funny. They bring up Shea Weber because this is the perfect example because the Canadians fans jumped all over that. Right, they jumped all over when that trade was made. They jumped all over that. That PK Subban's advanced stats were better than Shea Weber's advanced stats. Yeah, that yeah. He was a, and you know all that stuff. And and I do give the Canadians fans huge props though because the ovation they gave for Shea Weber the other night. If you didn't get a chance to see it, I'll show you later. It was it was really it was really impressive. Like they really welcomed him in. He was practically in tears. It was really a cool moment. So and that you know that meant a lot to him because you know that he's going in there thinking I'm replacing one of the most popular Canadians in the last 35 years. You know this guy has been. The trade wasn't his fault. I mean, right. I, I mean, and the, and the Canadian fans know the game and they're classy. Yeah. I yeah. never thought for a minute they were going to give uh, Weber a hard time. Yeah. Now, now I think it would be a challenge if Mark Bergevin stepped out in center ice and to see if he, he got it. <laughs> I wish this was more of those classy Canadian fans would comment once in a while on threads. <laughs> the, ones who, the ones who do comment on threads are not the ones that we're talking about there. Not the ones who were in that building because, you know, they were – and sometimes it's, you know, it's not the advanced stats people themselves who are doing the advanced stats. It's the people who are kind of worshiping the advanced stats that think they're more perfect than right. they than they are. You know, and, and I think the advanced stats people themselves maybe get the fact that of what I was saying before is, is crazy. But the people who actually follow them 
in depth really really do call them perfect sometimes and that we end up with these discussions and, you know and i was saying the same thing that you were saying Kyle, I had this long thread and i said finally said to one guy i'm like listen if you're carrie price and you've, you're 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 holding a lead down with a minute to go who do you want on your who do you want on your team you know shea weber or pk saban in that last minute you want shea weber out there because he is going to be more solid defensively in that last minute to help you win that game and I don't care what advanced said the same exact thing. I don't care what advanced stats mean. You know, it's like that's just but if you know if you're down and if you're down by a couple of goals, maybe you want PK Saban out there. I don't know, but it's just uh, you know, anyway, let's move on. Uh, to Toronto Winnipeg, because advanced stats, that's a whole week show. Yeah. Um we could do a week on that one. Um Toronto Winnipeg last night. This is a, again, Mike, um Toronto, this was this was a tough one to swallow. Toronto gets out to a, a big lead. Well, well the, I mean, act this is that last night's game is the proof of why I think Toronto will struggle this year. I think that there's going to be high points. You've got you've now you have the core group or some of the core group in place with Matthews, Marner, Nealander. Um and you know, uh Nealander had a goal, Kadri had a couple goals. They played very well early in the game. Yeah. But they get up four nothing, they sit back, they allow Winnipeg basically take control of the game. Yeah. Uh, Russ made the observation that uh um, Winnipeg was putting Tyler Myers and I think Shifley at times against Austin Matthews to shut him down. And the Leafs do not have the ability to match up a defenseman against Patrick Laine or against a big-time forward. You know, their, their, their second pairing right now is Jake Gardner and Connor Carrick. And Jake Gardner, who is a veteran guy, got caught pinching on two of the Winnipeg goals when they're up 4 nothing. So they clearly ha- are defensively challenged, which will come in time, them learning how to play. With yeah. a- but in three games, they've blown leads twice. These, Yeah, these uh, goals that Winnipeg, when they were coming back, too, were, were like firehouse goals. Like, they were crazy. Run- I mean, talk about running around in the zone, in the off- in their own zone. I mean, the Leafs were all over the place. Who was covering who? You know, they really, I mean, it was really crazy. I, you know what, I messaged Mike. Went about two minutes into the third period, and I also made the observation that the Leafs' defense had no legs. They were dead. Yeah. They were tired of chasing around the Winnipeg guys, and you sort of knew that this was going to collapse. And, and, you, and it happened because yeah. they just couldn't maintain the speed, just like Kevin was talking about. They just didn't have a way of covering all these guys. Winnipeg has enough great forwards now that it just caused a matchup problem. It just took two and a half to three periods to happen that's all yeah yeah that's I mean, um to good. me toronto's problem is you know it's whatever that is that occam's razor where this the yeah. simplest answer is always the obvious mm-hmm. and, and it's simply that you know their collection of forwards young forwards is terrific and their collection of young defensemen is not right right <laughs> it, it is just going to take more time to develop the you know the the younger group, but the, you know all you got to do is look at their fence, and you you realize there's uh, a long way to go. You know, well, I mean, uh, if, you look at, if you look at the six defensemen they had last night, they had maybe four defensemen who were NHL guys, and two of them were probably bottom pairing guys. Connor Carrick, I think, can be an NHL defenseman because he's very mobile, but I think he's a bottom pairing guy. I think Zaitsev is is an NHL guy. You know, Jake Gardner has been in the league for four or five years. He's never really improved dramatically. Morgan Riley is the only one who's a top pairing guy. The other guys, I, I think, are borderline NHLers at best. And you know, we act, talked in his blog about about Jacob Truba yeah. and Toronto being connected to that. That see, that's the type of guy that Toronto needs. They need right. to find a big 
a right-hand shot, top four yeah. defensemen who can play 20-plus minutes. They need a couple of those guys. And until they get those guys, they're not making the playoffs. He is the perfect well, until, until Winnipeg changes its expectation, that deal, uh, that deal yeah. isn't going to happen. I mean, they, they really do, and I've talked to a couple of general managers about this. The Jets are indeed looking for a left-shot defenseman who's yeah. in the same caliber as Truba. Well, if you're in the market to try to acquire a Truba, Either A, you don't have that, that kind of player, or B, you wouldn't give them up to get through, because that doesn't help you. Right. I mean, we could make a list of maybe seven of them in the NHL, like, you know, yeah. the, of what they're looking for, right? I mean, seven of those players, I mean, really legitimately left-handed players like Truba. I mean, that's hard to find. You know, and the thing is, I brought up Brady Shea, but Bob McKenzie didn't even use Brady Shea as an example because he doesn't feel he's on his level. And I agree, today he's not on his level, but at least in a year he could be. And that's as close as I think you can get. Well, as yeah, part I'm of like a Travis Sanheim, I thought of him, you know. But I mean, but that's again, what are you, you know, looking at? Like, you know, he's but, isn't but he yeah. a left-handed defenseman it's, prospect? It's part of as part of a maybe it's a deal. You're not you're not going to give up somebody who's more established, who's at the end of his entry level deal for a guy like Sanheim, who I think. No, is, I agree. I mean, I'm just, I'm yeah, I agree, Mike. I mean, I do, I agree. But I was just like trying to find anybody the other day. I was looking through the whole list, and there really, really was hard to because the teams who have those players, like you said, Kevin, they're not looking for them. And then there's teams that have those players who have no cap space, and that's the other thing about Truba that's a really big problem because yeah, Sanheim's you know, he, a lefty, okay, because he's not signed yet. Truba's not signed, so you know. And I know the Flyers like Truba, but I think that. You know, I know the Kings like Truba too, but I, I don't see the who the Kings have to move. Um, but then, would you move Muzzin for Truba? I mean, what does yeah, that do? Yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah well, it wouldn't make any well, sense, well, right? Well, so, I mean, but that's that's the kind well, of thing well, you're looking well, for. That's what they're looking for, right? That's what that's what Winnipeg what is looking it, for. What does it do for the Kings to trade Alec Martinez or Jake Muzzin for Jacob Truba? It's six of one, half a dozen of another. The teams that need, like a team like Detroit, who needs a defenseman, the last thing they want to give up. For a defenseman is a defenseman, right? Of course. So, well, this is this is like a game of chicken, and it'll probably end right around American Thanksgiving because yeah. of the December first deadline. If yeah. nothing has really happened by Thanksgiving, then Winnipeg will have to make a trade. They really will. Yeah, they're going to be stuck. They're going to be forced into it, and then then prices will come down. And you know, yeah. and, I mean, the Hamannick. Uh, I, I, heard... I don't think prices will come down. I think prices will. will it'll be a just different exchange. Different, okay. Different exchange. Uh, okay. Suddenly, right. like, right. forward will come in play. I think they're still going to want a lot, but I think they'll be right. open to you know a first round pick and yeah. you know a, a B plus prospect uh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the uh, there, there's some people believe, by the way, that they that the Jets are still hoping to sort of figure this out. Yeah, I've heard that. Back, so. Well, I think they could figure it out if they went for like the three-year deal angle, like with Kucherov. If they got to a number that everybody agreed on, I still think there's a chance for that. But I, there's I, no. I, see, I don't, I don't think Truba would take that. No, I, but that's what I mean. The only way he takes that is just because he says, "All right, you know what? We'll do that, and then this way, in three years, I'm out." But otherwise. That's the only way. He's not going to take a six- or a seven-year deal there now, I don't think. No, Russ, I think the compromise would be a four-year deal so he could go right into UFA because three years, he goes to arbitration for one more year. And then, you know, and then I mean, I think if it's a four-year deal, he walks right to unrestricted free agency, but yeah. he wouldn't want to do that. That's true. What, it, what occurred to me in all this, though, you know, we do a lot of complaining about the way the system works and so forth, but, you know, these guys give a lot of thought to this. And in this case... That December first date is there for a reason. Yeah, and it's here exactly for this kind of thing because they really do need something 
essentially to uh, bring them together. They they need a pressure point, and that'll provide it. Uh, otherwise, this thing could drag out, you know, throughout the season. Yeah. You know, the one thing that was clear watching the Winnipeg game, and I was paying strict notice to it. I like Josh Morrissey, but he's not Jacob Truba on defense. He could be way better offensively, but he's not Truba defensively. And he could, and he'll get better in the next couple of years, but he still won't be at the Truba defensive level. That's that's a big deal. And Toronto fans got to cool down when it comes to Frederick Anderson. All you know, it's three. It's been three games. They were complaining yesterday, and I, and I made the observation. He got beat stick side high twice in a row, and they were. I thought they were pretty bad goals because he went down early. I, you know, this is a good goaltender, but you have to give him at least, I'd say, 20, 30 games at least to settle in and get and get used to his new team and to get, you know, sort of get in the swing of things. If by the halfway mark of the season he's still struggling dramatically like he is right now, then you may have to start worrying, but I would give him a little time because he is Toronto, a Toronto, Philly, Montreal, man, they're tough goaltender markets. They just are. They are, no, there's no question about it, you know, and they're, they're – <laughs> You know, and speaking of goaltender markets, um, Matt Murray has signed his extension, uh, a three-year deal, under yeah. four million a year. I, I thought a really good deal for the Penguins. I mean, just I, I, I maybe I'm higher on Matt Murray than everybody else is, but I really think oh, Matt Murray. Matt Murray's the big. I thought he was going to get five. I did. I thought he was going to get five per year. Um, I think and, this is great. I think Murray's agent deserves a gold star here because what he's basically done is. He's left no choice but for the Penguins to have to get rid of Mark Andre Fleury now because yeah. this deal is so reasonable. There's no way he could ever go anywhere. Even if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup this year, this is one of the best contracts in the game right now for a goalie. I, I think it's I think it was a good deal for both sides. I mean, three point seven five million is not a cap killer, nope. but Murray played a half a season. He had a great play. Yeah. But he played a half a season, so it's not like he's going in there, at, you know, at like like PK Subban on a bridge deal, and then all of a sudden, you know, he wins the Norris and he's making nine million bucks a year. He had half a season, so I think it's a good compromise on both sides. Well, and look at this deal in comparison to Vasilevsky. You know, it's in the, yeah. you know, in the ballpark, and and I agree completely with Mike. Like, you know, the way the Penguins are approaching this is everyone was talking about, well, they're going to trade Fleury, and well, no, they're not. They're they're trying to win the cup again. And you know they don't just as Mike said you know you know or somebody said it's just you know he's just had uh, not even a full season he's still technically a rookie so you don't really know what he's going to be like this season and you have a veteran in Mark Andre Fleury who's very popular with his team hate him after the season yeah you know or not yeah and, and they got plenty of options it's not like it's completely unthinkable that they could. Even go forward next year with two goalies. Well, think of think of it this way, Kevin. If they if if Flurry does not get claimed by Las Vegas in the expansion draft, and they don't trade him, they're still paying Murray and Flurry less than what Dallas is playing Latin and, and Niami. So For sure, that's just yeah, just the point I was making that that you could con- conceivably move right. forward with both goalies if you weren't really sure yet about Murray. Now I I don't think that's going to happen, but. Sure. You know, this it's, is an awkward time to talk about my my, my rumor then. Um, <laughs> after Kevin says there's no way they're trading Mark Andre Fleury. Um, <laughs> Actually, wait, I, I got something. This is how good this deal is for both sides. Yes. Andy Aikenhead, who won the 1932 Stanley Cup for the Rangers, was a rookie. He was <laughs> wait a second. Seven. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 1932. Yes, 1932 Stanley Cup. Is, he was a rookie goalie. Name is what again? Aikenhead. Andy Aikenhead. Yes. Okay. He, I have an aching head just thinking about this, but go the ahead. Next year, he got paid seventy five hundred bucks. So there you go. Oh, there you go. 
And contrary to popular belief, I was not covering the league in 1931. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember 1931. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, last night I got a call from a source that said the L.A. Kings had inquired about Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, and, you know, now I didn't, you know, whether or not that was going to happen or not, it didn't sound like I, because I've always been of the belief, like, and I said it on the show a couple days ago, and I still believe that the two teams that we talked about with the goalie situation you know, Pittsburgh and the Flyers will probably just hang on to both their goalies for the year. They have two goalies, you know, and, and Tampa, right? These are three teams with two goalies. They'll probably just hang on to those goalies all year. But I was told by a source I really trust in L.A. that there was an inquiry made, at least, about Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, that and then, of course, the Matt Murray signing today, which is, you know, not is just coincidental. But it sounds, you know, it was now that's that's a player. And I thought about this for a while. Just just play this out. If Marc-Andre Fleury was traded to the LA Kings, you know what they would have to give up. First of all, they'd have to give up quite a bit, I'm, I'm, you know, I would think, to get him because everyone knows the Kings need a goalie. And also, is he the right fit for the Kings? You know, like, um, is he the right kind of goalie for the Kings? Um, I don't know. Thoughts? Um, no, I'm, I'm not buying that from the Kings' perspective because mm-hmm. he's got uh, – doesn't he have three – and Mike can look it up, but I think he's got this year and two years left on a contract. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now suddenly you're you got Quick and Flurry under contract for. Yeah, I know. It, it, I know. Yeah, I, and they they already have cap issues. They're only a, a million and a half. So like next season that would cause you know havoc. So I yeah I agree. I would picture Flurry in a Canadian market. I don't know why, but I do. And, Calgary. and I think, hmm? yeah, Calgary maybe. No, maybe. It's two more years of five, after this year at five point yeah. seven five million. So right. the, the highest. Price tandem in the league, and, and yeah, it'll definitely be the highest price tandem in the league. Yeah, for for a team that's already is you know pushed to the limit by all the contracts, I yeah. I just can't see that. I mean, the the yeah. option that you put forth to me is a better situation. You know, getting a guy you know like in Philadelphia where both guys are going to be unrestricted. Yeah, um, or uh, you know the Islanders uh, have some desirable goalies, and again, it's yeah. short term. Like they're they're the, the message is sort of prepped out last, and I thought it was interesting. Instead of four months now, it's sort of three months. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Well, because well, you know why, Kev? Because it went from he didn't have surgery to he went and had a procedure, but that's basically right. like outpatient surgery. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. It yeah. is, but I thought the message they were trying to send out is stop panicking, you know. It's, you know, like three months is, is, is better than three months. Will they make the playoffs if they don't have Jonathan Quick for the next two months, you know, like I could throw that out there. Like that's three months. Well, is, it's it's fair, but you can't. You know, nobody's going to totally disrupt their salary cap in order to do it. I, I, I yeah. agree that he's exploring goalies, but yeah, I just don't think he can take a goalie that has three years left at that kind of money. No, well, I agree. You know, but Elliot Friedman talked about this last night on the on the broadcast about uh, Andres pa- Andres Pavlik from uh, from the Jets, and if you think about it. He's been sent down to the minors. His salary was a little under four million. They're getting a nine hundred and fifty thousand dollar discount for sending him to the AHL. So they got three million on the books. If they if they took a haircut on that deal, he's a UFA at the end of the year. It's all it all depends on whether Dean Lombardi thinks that Pavlik can be a number one goaltender or at least a stopgap. And if he does, you probably could make a deal where you take part of that salary and that would work out for both teams because clearly. They've got a kid in Eric Comrie down in the AHL who I think they want to get playing time to, and they're not, they don't want Pavlik to be sitting on his butt. So I, I, that might be Pavlik a UFA after this year. The UFA after this year, right? So he fits in that. That's really Pavlik what makes for. sense because if anything else, 
Mark Bergevin and what happened last year with the Canadians could definitely happen to the Kings if you go and just get like the next goalie up and you don't get a guy with a real pedigree. Because otherwise, the Kings are going to fall by the wayside. They do not have enough goaltending. And it's going to be the same deal that happened to the Canadians last year unless they get at least a solid guy who's been a starter in the league for a decent amount of time. And that's why I've got two names for you. Ready? Yep. Harry Ramo and Carter Hutton. I think both Carter of Hutton's players, been playing well. Carter Hutton's been playing very well. No, just kidding. But Carry Ramos stopped. I like Carry Ramo a lot. I, I'm, I still am a Carry Ramo fan. I know he's playing in some godforsaken place, right, overseas, but he's on. Red, Red Barrow with Florida. He's the number three, and they only brought him They only brought him in in case Luongo was injured, and Luongo was third star of the week last week. So I, I think that's I've a- long been a fan of Barrow, and he's never really gotten – Yeah, I think Mike – I'm, I'm with Mike on that. I'm buying what Mike's selling. Yep. That would make sense. It would make sense. And, and pa- Pavlik is a – is is a hard uh, PR sell just because he's been, you know, I mean, it, the people in LA certainly know the jet struggles and Pavlik being part of them. Um, so I don't know. They're I think a tough spot, man. The Kings are in a tough spot, man. Yeah. But the Jets run to the playoffs two years ago was on the back of Pavlik. So and he is going to be unrestricted. That's why you have to give it at least some thought. And I think we need to discuss the uh, the closing of General Fanager, um, which is like a um, you know and, and another wet one, right, Mike? Are there two of these that have closed now? Well, there were there were rumors a couple days ago that uh, the other website out there, which is called Cap Friendly, the whoever runs that was going to get gobbled up by an NHL team. But he he went on uh, Twitter and said that that was not the case. But right now, you know, General Fanager was a resource just like Cap Geek was that a lot of Right. Hockey media and a lot of maybe a lot of hockey teams would use. And Tom Porhaska, I believe is how his name is pronounced, uh, got hired by Las Vegas. So, you know, that's. I mean, at least there's another outlet out there, and I'm sure there will be other other people who try to fill the gap. Uh, you know, like we have with Cap. Well, there's one place that I can tell people to go to, and that would be <laughs> Cap Central, like I was Cap Central at com, which is which is people don't realize that we have this. I think often um, it is it's set up just like those other sites are. It, it is updated regularly. is run by a person who will never be hired by an NHL team, as far as I know, because um, that's Mike. Mike handles this. Helps us with this. Um, no, <laughs> hey, you could call me Cap Cohen because I always wear a hat, and if a team's looking to hire me, hey, that'd be great. Yeah, no, so this is, um, yeah, so if you guys are, I mean, Cap Central on HockeyBuzz.com is is an outlet for, you know, those of you who are going to miss NHL Fanager or any of these others or Cap Geek. Um, you know, we try to do the best we can to keep it updated. It's a, it's a really good resource. They have definitely had a lot of cool little gimmicky toys on there that you could make your own things, which we don't have that. But we just have your, just looking for the salary cap stuff, it's there. And, um, and it's solid, and it's got, you know, all the, you, you can find out the salaries of all the crazy prospects and everything like that. So it really is. But Pretty Kevin, I, I I don't I don't get the feeling that the NHL is all too crushed that like sites like General Fanager are getting gobbled up. I have a feeling the the league doesn't want that information out there. Well, yeah, I mean, or otherwise they do it themselves. Like I, I've never understood why the league just doesn't do that. I mean, you yeah. know, it's part of being a fan of this league is knowing, you know, how the salary cap works, and I think it's just a way to prevent misinformation. I mean, usually the reason we go to those sites is we want to get it right. So, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, sort it all out, and you can't, you know, I cover the league for a living, and it's hard to keep track of every salary. So it's nice that it's in one spot, and it's in a sortable fashion, and I've never understood why the league just didn't, 
include that as part of their statistical package. It's you know, what's the difference? It's you know where it comes from. The NHLPA does it, but they don't do it fast enough. Right. And they don't do it for the long term. They just do it for the single season. So I don't see why the PA just didn't do it. I, yeah. think, I think there's good reasons for this. I think that the NHL doesn't want to do this. I think the NHL really wants this to be done by a third party. I think they like the fact that it exists, but they don't want it to be theirs. Because I think when it's theirs um, and, and a mistake is made or they, they're going to be in a situation where they could be, I don't know if liable is the right word. or Okay, but what about the PA? They're the ones who are setting, help setting the salaries. They do report them. They do. Yeah, yeah it's, no. in, it's in the PA's best interest that all salaries be out there and be accurate. Yeah, it is no, and I, and I don't, but I don't think the NHL will allow the NHLPA to do it any more than they're uh, doing. I, th- I think I think the NHL has a cap on what the NHLPA can do with it, um, probably, and that's why you're seeing. I think I agree. The NHLPA would love this. There's no question that the NHLPA helps out these sites that they're doing this. I mean, they want that information out there, and there is an NHLPA site for NHL um, PA members or agents. That looks a lot like those sites, right? So that yeah, but, exists. So, but, but team teams have started to loosen up. I mean, there have been teams yes. out there that would never have dared release contract information a- a- anywhere who have started to release it in the press releases of contracts being signed. Yeah, so that's because there, these things exist and they know they're getting out there, right? So, but I agree, and and there are still teams that don't. I mean, there are still teams that won't talk oh, about. Yeah, it. Rangers don't. There's I don't think the Flyers ever have. I don't think the Flyers, Flyers ever don't. Seen. Yeah, Islanders don't. Yeah, so there's that still exists too, but yep. and, you know it is definitely so definitely check out Cap Central and I forget the we bought a web domain a while back I can't remember what it was darn I was trying to remember it, what it was that that actually went right to Cap Central that was pretty cool but I'll try to I'll remember it for next show um, <laughs> I don't know why it's just like this I just like I, know, I, I own too many domains too I do I have I have a lot of crazy ones um I actually the, what's the craziest web domain you own Russ I don't own a crazy one I I own one that I opened once and then it's closed and maybe I'll use it again called Sports Around the Globe. I kind of like that one, That's but I cool. haven't fully utilized it. I had this this thought like someday I'll be like the ABC guy. I forget his name right off the bat. Um, who used to do like every sport? Like I forget who. Oh, yeah. When I, was, when I was a kid, and, and so like maybe I'll do that someday. We have kind of done that on Sportsology. Yeah, a little bit, but not to that degree. Like you know, where you're even doing like cliff diving or whatever. Yeah, that would be cool. There needs to be a really good as my as the more my daughter gets involved in high school sports, there really needs to be a. A really good high school. There, there's a big demand out there Jim for high school. McKay, that was stuff. the guy, like uh, Jim McKay. Yeah, yeah Jim McKay. I mean, I don't know, Kevin. Have you ever thought that that there really somebody should do a really good high school one? Yeah, actually, you know, when I was in college, uh, you know, pre-internet, I uh, I thought that there was a calling for a state uh, uh, sort of, you know, a high school like cover everything in the state, yeah. you know, really well. And the same would be true for a website in Michigan. We have that a little bit. With an M, with the M Live, where they cover right, right. all the high, yeah. school, uh, high schools throughout the state. So I, you know, I actually think it, it, you know, would be useful. But it's hard to get down. The problem with that is, any anybody who started out in a smaller paper like I did, you know, the the amount of traffic you get on games, you think well, the city would get behind it, but they really don't. You know, you yeah. don't. It's you know, it's basically friends and family members that read the story. So it just doesn't generate traffic. Uh, the way you would think it would. So. No, I mean, but if you did, if you had, if you had enough of them, you we would generate. I mean, it's it's not going to be each and if you just got together with the school newspapers and worked on it with that, that's that's where I think the opportunity lies because you have my my daughter's writing stories for the her newspaper. Just wrote a story that was published about her soccer team. Nice. Um, those kind of yeah, it's kind of neat. So I think that's kind of a cool thing to um 
called that's, the that's what they do. They get correspondence for every school, and yeah, they, they right, do it. it did, I'm not sure that it ever generates a lot of uh, um, a lot of traffic. So, so, so we got to go. But I want to also mention I watched this just along these lines of Kevin, a movie you have to see. Um, I watched it last night, and it's coming up right now. And it was called. <laughs> it was amazing. It was okay. Here it is. Have you oh, seen this one? This is. It's called Shattered Glass. Have you seen Shattered Glass? I have not. Oh my gosh! This is this is right up your alley. All right, Shattered Glass. Is it about the New York Times reporter who faked? No, it's the, it, it's it's like it's it's the fact based film. Fact based, I like that. <laughs> fact based film um, that depicts the rise and fall of the disgraced journalist Stephen Glass, yeah. who's played by Hayden Christensen, who is uh you know who is um right. who is Anakin Skywalker, yeah. um who was a staff writer. Um, at the New Republic and contributed stories to Rolling Stone and other magazines. Glass fabricated many of his stories, which led to his downfall. It's a phenomenal story. It was shown by they, my daughter. My daughter's um, paper showed it to all their writers. And then she came home and she wanted to show it to me. She said, this is so really interesting. It's a great nice. story. It's Shattered Glass. It's available on Netflix, I think. They should show your daughter the front page. That was a good movie. Yeah, that's a good one, too. So, but this yeah, one was- I actually would want to, wanted to see that. It's on Broadway now with uh, a cast of uh, incredible actors in it, uh, the front page of remake. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, wow. Very was, interesting. Wasn't the front page the Jack Lemon Walter Mitchell? Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's a good yeah. movie. I wow. Remember. Well, all right. Well, everyone, enjoy the games tonight. If you're going to go down to the Flyers game, maybe we'll see you there. Uh, Russ and I will be down there. We'll be um, there. And uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary. 652. People should know that 652 starts the ceremony. So Right. The ceremony I'll, starts I'll, at 652. I'll leave right now. I'll get there by game time. You probably will. I mean, I, I know. I, w- I wish they had started at six or something, but I guess it's fine. And you know, I guess the Flyers are wearing their 50th anniversary jerseys tonight, I'm assuming? Uh, I'm assuming, and they're going to give out the bracelets again. Please. Please don't throw your bracelets. Don't throw yes. your bracelets, please. Yes, yes they are actually going to do it. All right, good. Yeah, that's good. what the rumor is. All right. Well, let's hope the refs are good. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you soon.